The Authentic Accountant is sponsored by Intuit. Intuit helps you leverage the latest technologies and works with you to create tomorrow's future innovations for your firm. Visit quickbooks.intuit.com. Welcome to the Authentic Accountant Podcast with Seth David and co-host Erica Ed. If you've ever wanted to know the real story behind the most successful business leaders in the world today, stay tuned. Every story doesn't have an instant success, peaches and cream background. We'll ask the questions that need to be asked and get the true stories of success. Now, here is Seth David and Erica Ed. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Authentic Accountant Podcast. My name is Seth David, and I'm here with my co-host. It's me. I'm Erica Ed. Happy to be with you guys. And as always, we have an incredibly, wonderfully, beautifully special guest today. But first, Erica, do you know what I did this morning? I'm going to go out on a limb here. Did you, by chance, get on QuickBooks Online this morning? Oh, you nailed it again! Man, I'm getting good at this game. I did go on QuickBooks Online this morning. And what, pray tell, did you do this morning in QuickBooks Online? You know, I ran some really cool reports. You know, we specialize on e-commerce clients here at Nerd Enterprises Incorporated. And I was able to get a sales by item summary that gives me really good information. I was able to quickly isolate the top selling items that our client had. And I was able to dump that into Excel and really quickly sort it by the item with the greatest profit margin and the item with the greatest sales volume in dollars. And then from there, I was able to quickly analyze the profitability of those items to see where might we have an item that had a perhaps low selling volume, but a high profit margin. Mm -hmm. So now we know which items to exploit. Now we know which items we want to sell more of because it'll hit the bottom line harder when we do. I bet our clients really find value in that. I think the client will find incredible value in that once I've shown it to him. What are you waiting for? (laughs) We have to finish this podcast. Let's get on with it. (laughs) All right, let's do it. We are talking here with my friend. I'm going to make sure I say this right. Shanna from Louisiana. Right. That's me. Shanna from Louisiana. Shanna, welcome. Thank you. um, This is take two of our podcast with you, right? We tried once before. We're doing it again. This time we're doing it right. Shanna, you I'm, I'm really glad you're here. I had a great time, by the way, meeting with you in person and having you show me around the, was it the Women's Club? I, I want to. The Women's City Club of Pasadena. The Women's City Club of Pasadena. That place yeah. was awesome. I have it's to go back there place. again and, and take more pictures because I didn't take enough Beautiful. pictures when I was there. Um, and next time we'll bring Erica. Next time we'll yes, bring Yes, for sure. I would love to come. So it's especially because if Erica and I both come and we meet with you, Shanna, and then I'm the only guy in the Women's Club, I'll feel like, Kind of weird, which is perfect. Like a king. <laughs> like, like a king. king. There, I like your perspective. <laughs> I like your perspective a lot of better than mine. Like, or something. Yeah. Yeah. There we go. Something works. Something. Something Third like wheel. That. I don't know. <laughs> Surf. <laughs> All right, so Shanna, you know the routine here. We talk uh, in terms of what it was like, what happened, and what it's like today. This is our first segment. What it was like, which means we want to take you back to the past. We want to take you back to. Who you are, what you did in, as a kid um, growing up in Louisiana, right? Louisiana. Um, what was it like for you growing up in Louisiana and what were your interests? What were you into? Well, I was, I, you know, I was always a creative kid, Seth. And I, you know, I, it took me a while to find my place because I was a good student. Like I could have done whatever. I could have been an attorney or a doctor or whatever. It didn't appeal to me. I was a, you know, I was not as arts and science. I mean, I was not a science person or a math person, although I excelled in those subjects. Sometimes I just 
they didn't grab me. So it took me a while to find my creative space. And so as a kid, I was always the one who was, you know, artistic stuff. Now that being said, I don't have the gift of like drawing really logical either. So I was like, what do I do with myself? You know, I tried to play piano a little while. I was never very good. Um, I sang a little bit. I was never very good. And I was like, okay, I'm so I'm, I'm creative, but what the heck do I do with this if I don't have practical skills? It's like loving sports, but, you know, you can't catch a ball or whatever. Um, so it took me a while to find my place. And so as a kid, I just played. I played make-believe all the time. It was my favorite thing to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just loved creating imaginary worlds. I loved creating imaginary stories and characters and, and just, you know, interacting with other people to tell stories. That's how it started. And it was, I, we were poor too. So it was like, you know, my mom would give us her old nightgown and some dishes and like, go play in the woods and come back at four, you know, or when the sun goes down. And <laughs> so it was like, we, you know, you had your, your um, imagination and that was about it, you know, and but it worked for me. And I, it's really some of my most precious memories is just playing for hours and hours and hours and creating world. Nice. Not the way things go today. Today, no. kids, kids are not allowed to go outside until dark and come home. They're on a much tighter <laughs> leash. Right. Right. Yeah, I know it is a different world. And I think, you know, that makes me sad, actually. So anytime I'm with children, I want to play make believe with them. because I don't think they do it enough. The, the video games do it for them. It's like, really, can we just make our own world up? Right. Well, and they have they have things like Second Life, right? I can go into my virtual worlds and create my own world on the computer. Right, right. But there's no, you know, I feel like there's not enough human interaction. And there's definitely not enough interaction for us with the earth. We're not touching the earth enough. We're not touching trees and grass and dirt. Definitely. I don't know. I mean, I grew up in Wyoming and, you know, played outdoors a lot. And I think it kind of depends on where you're from. I think the city life has sort of changed and kids kind of tend to stay indoors and play video games and stuff. But I know like a lot of the kids from where I'm from are still out, you know, exploring and and playing outdoors and you know I don't know if it's necessarily a come home when the streetlights come on kind of scenario but you know I think the more rural you are the more that's that's easier to do I think even the little town I'm from has developed so much what used to be around us was all empty land with cow pastures and woods and trees and now it's houses those woods don't exist anymore that we used to play in and so I think you know the space is shrinking yeah well that's true too so did you get into theater at all? Did you do any acting? I did. In high school, I dabbled in acting. And then after that, um, after I got out of high school and into college age, I started producing shows. And rather than me being the one on stage, I started producing other people, putting these multi-art shows together in my 20s that were for community projects and history projects and things like that. And so I just kind of got into the whole thing of like putting shows together that tell stories and shows together that had, you know, the top uh, slam poet in my area a local modern dance company and then a choir from a local African-American church. And like, I would take all these elements and then, you know, in, in wrap Mississippi river history in it and tell a whole story using all these different elements and things like that. So that's kind of how storytelling developed for me. Um, yeah. And then I fell into the film and uh, TV and film industry, it came to Louisiana and I just kind of fell into it and I was like, Oh, okay. <laughs> so I ended up there for a while and that was, that was fun. And so what, what, is, what was it that got you from being on the acting side of it over to the production side? Was it something in particular? Or what did you like better? I think I'm better at it. You know, I, I, like, I like acting. I like being in front of the camera sometimes. Um, but I'm, I'm a really good organizer and I love planning. I love taking something that's big and has all these levels and then um, 
honing it into the structure that kind of gets things done, that makes the, the engine that tells the story. And so very early on, you know, I, I was already producing live shows and then I TV. And even though I was in front of the camera the first like four or five years, I knew from the minute I stepped on the first set, I was going to be a producer. I saw the, the magic of the organizational system that made it all happen. You know, my first set, there was a French fry girl, and all she did was after the actor would eat their French fries, she would reset the fries. You know, I was just like, I love the layers of this, just the layers of people that it takes to make a production come into being. You know, I, there was literally a girl who would adjust French fries. You know, there was people that had a specific task. And I, as a producer of mine, I walked onto a set and I saw all of those things. And I was like, wow, this is something I want to be a part of. I enjoy um, the, the teamwork it takes, the creativity that it takes to make something like this, a story come to life. And I was just captured. I want that job. Of, I want to be rearranging the French fries. The French fry girl? Yeah. The only problem is I'd probably eat them. I was say, I feel like you'd be eating the French fries. I'd totally be eating them. <laughs> I would totally be eating them too. <laughs> stylists make a lot of money. You laugh, but I've been on sets where they're making 20000 yeah. a day. Yeah. Because I was on a, like I did a popcorn commercial and they were paying that girl like $20,000 because she was the popcorn stylist. I know. The first time I ever worked on a set with a food stylist, the the bags and, well, really sort of toolbox of things that they came in with, and I was like, what in God's name are they doing with that food? And, like, the stuff that they did to make it look appealing on camera would blow your mind. Yeah. Like, you ever not edible. Yeah. No, no. It's about the food. I've heard that, like, milk and cereal commercials is actually glue, like Elmer's glue. It's all, a lot of that's, I mean, for the popcorn commercial, it was real because we had to eat it. And I did ice cream commercial. It was an, well, it was a Sensodyne toothpaste commercial, but with ice cream. with Brett Favre. And We had to eat it. So it was real. But yeah, a lot of times it's not. Even yeah. Ice is fake, so it doesn't melt. And yeah, it's, it's crazy. All right. So we love the role playing, right? The acting. That's kind of what got you into it. Eventually you went to the production side, but I want to go back for a minute to the acting part because you it, I got I got this image from what you described of a little girl who just spent a lot of time alone and wanted to live in these sort of imaginary worlds. What do you sort of attribute that to? Like, where did that come from? Well, you know, again, I think it was just a creative. And, and what's funny is I didn't spend time alone. A lot of kids will do that. They'll isolate and play. I didn't isolate and play. I grabbed everybody else to play with me. Oh, you me. did? Okay. Yeah, I would, like, recruit my neighbor's kids and, you know, my cousins because I had a lot of cousins in the South. <laughs> and my, my siblings, because I'm one of four, and I always recruited people, and then I said, oh, let's play this, and you be the teacher, and you be the student, or you be the Indian, you be the cowboy, you know, we would come up with all these stories. Um, so, yeah, I mean, even then, I was producing. I was, I was like, say, you were a producer for me. I was day. always the boss. Just That's awesome. Everybody what to do. Like, I would have totally wanted to play with you as a kid. That would have been right? fun. Like, do this. You're the bride. No, you're the, you know. Yeah. And, yeah, just bossing everybody around. It was a natural thing. Good. That's awesome. And you said you said you came from a, a home that was you were you said you were poor, right? Yeah. Yeah. So in a way, it almost sounds like you benefited from that because instead of being sort of spoiled with toys and whatever you could have been spoiled with, you you were forced to go out and be creative in terms of how you entertained yourselves. Absolutely. And just even from a young age, I I'm really grateful that I, my parents instilled like a really good work ethic in us. I mean, I was working at at 12, literally, my cousin and I, we started clowning with a nonprofit. We learned how to do our clown makeup. We'd go out with a nonprofit with disadvantaged kids. Well, then I was like, you know, we could start a business. So, like, we started, she had an MG, like those little tiny cars that were the no top. And we'd put our clown stuff on and we'd work birthday parties. And we would charge, like, 50 bucks. And we'd show up at a birthday party and clown. And I was, I was 12. She was older than me. She was, like, 17. Right? We were doing parties, you know, and... I've always done it, it. Yeah. I mean, out of necessity is born all these creative ideas. So I'm really grateful. 
try different things and to use what I had, whatever that was, you know? That's yeah. hilarious. That's great. <laughs> all right. So, so did we get into, did you go to school for any of this or you just kind of did, did it all on your Not own? Not really. You know, I went to college for a little while, but I'm one of those people I went, I went and I was just like, you know, they didn't have scholarships like they do now. I would have had full ride the way things are now. I was, like, mm-hmm. I was valedictorian in my class and almost a 4.0, but back then I didn't have any of that support. And I came from a really poor family. So I went a couple semesters and I was just like, I can't go into debt like this. Cause that's another thing. I've-. And I was really frustrated with the fact that so much of what I had to go and study didn't, didn't appeal to me, didn't apply to me. And I was just like, this is a waste of my time. So I would <laughs> through the years, I've gone back to college and I just go and take what I want, mm-hmm. but I don't have a degree because I'm just like, no, clearly you haven't needed one. You kind of just forged your own. Right. And I really learned by doing, and, you know, especially with the industry I've ended up in, it's like, I, I, I don't even take classes right now because technology changes so fast. I literally will hire somebody that does what I want to learn and say, can you, can I pay you for your time? Spend an hour or two with me. Teach me what I need to know. Yep. Because that's how fast things are moving. I mean, for me to go to college, less than went to college, I walked out with like, me, like they were so far behind. So for me, especially in the industry I'm in, Staying on top means staying on top of the shakers and what's happening right now. And I've always kind of been that way from the little girl. I just said, if I want to learn something, I go learn, you know, or yeah. just figure out how to do it and teach other people, you know, like I knew what I was doing when I didn't. Yeah. I remember getting advice from a mentor a while back um, in the business world. And it reminded me of advice I'd also gotten on the personal side of things where they basically said, you know, if you want to accomplish something, find somebody who's accomplished what you're hoping to accomplish. Find somebody who has what you want or who's where you want to be in life and go get the guidance from them. And Eric and I have remarked a lot with a lot of the guests that we've had, there seems to be this recurring theme of mentors. And so that's what I'm kind of getting out of what you just said. Even if you have to pay somebody to be your mentor, it's worth it. Yeah, absolutely. And I I absolutely believe in mentorship. And I think you and I touched on that at one point, but maybe we'll talk about it more today. But I mean, that's something I've done since a little girl was be mentored, and then always try to pass information down. Right. I think it's important. Yeah, it's really important. Absolutely. Um, I guess we can take a short break, right? Because when we come back, we're going to want to talk about what happened. This is the part where we get to have you walk through your deepest, darkest times, Shanna. We want to talk about the struggles you've had and how you've overcome them. And I remember from other conversations we've had that you have some interesting stories to share there, especially growing up where you grew up in Louisiana. So we'll, uh, we'll come back and right after these brief messages from our sponsors. it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Nerd Enterprises Incorporated is a numbers agency. We offer a wide range of services, from bookkeeping to financial modeling and cash flow projections. Our consulting services enable you to do what you do best by giving us the accounting and back office tasks that we do best. Nerd Enterprises, Inc. is one of the worldwide leaders in QuickBooks, Microsoft Excel, and other productivity-based training. If it's one-to-one or one-to-many, we log in with you so you can share your screen and we get you through it. Plus, all sessions are recorded. 
so you can review those recordings anytime you like afterwards. For more information, visit nerdenterprises.com. Intuit QuickBooks is dedicated to powering prosperity around the globe for accountants, small businesses, consumers, and the self-employed. With products and services like QuickBooks Online Accountant and the QuickBooks Pro Advisor Program, accounting professionals can save time, grow their practice, and act as strategic advisors to their small business clients. By working together as partners, Intuit can help you leverage the latest technologies and work with you to create tomorrow's future innovations. Go to quickbooks.intuit.com to find out more. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are listening to the Authentic Accountant Podcast. To find out more, email Seth at NerdEnterprises.com. That's Seth at NerdEnterprises.com. Now, back to the Authentic Accountant Podcast. Welcome back to the Authentic Accountant Podcast. We are here with Shanna from Louisiana. She's still here with us. We haven't scared her away. And of course, Erica's still with me. So, so far. <laughs> she's debating if she's going to stay. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see. All right. All right. Segment two out. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. <laughs> we'll see how it goes. So Shannon, we grew up in Louisiana, got into acting, fell into the production side of things, preferred that you rounded up your friends. You would, what's the word? You would rustle your friends up and say, all right, you're in my show. You're doing this. You're doing that. You do. You were, like you said, you're producing right from the get go. Right. Not even realizing it. So, uh, and then fast forward to today, I know that you're an experienced producer Right, we've even produced some television projects for networks like, and I'm just going to go off your about page from your website. Forgive me, yeah. um, but the History Channel and True TV. Um, so I want to hear about that. That's going to be for the next segment. But I also wanted to set the stage for what we're in the middle of right now. Right. So we got from playing around with this stuff as a kid, getting real interested in it. Didn't need to go to school for it. Ended up building a very successful career in it. But in between, I imagine there had to be some struggles, some schisms. Things that you got, you know, into that, you know, struggles that you had to overcome. And that's what I want to hear about from you. So tell me a little bit about that. I think, you know, the, the earliest challenges were probably uh, related some to just the culture that I was raised in and being raised in the Deep South as a woman, even though I am a, a white woman um, who has more privilege than others. Um, you know, I went through seasons of abuse in my lifetime. And then when I finally got away from that, um, just had to deal with a culture that doesn't view women as equals. Mm -hmm. Even if they say they do, they do not. <laughs> mm -hmm. And so I experienced that regularly. And it's um, when I was younger, you know, in my 20s. And then it, it took years of just kind of getting outside of the, of the state, traveling, um, being around people who were empowering, having strong female mentors. Um, and then just kind of breaking free of that to realize that it, you know, me being a woman shouldn't have to be handicapped and that it was actually in most cases, a really good benefit to be a female in a room, especially if you're like the only one or one of two or something. That voice, I think, is really important to have that unique perspective and voice sometimes. And so it became more and more important to me to fight through that in my late 20s and to find my space and to find my place and to find my voice in whatever room or you know set or wherever I was, whatever I was doing. 
Um, as I got into my 30s, it got easier. And when I rounded 40s, I was like, hell no, I'm way too old for y'all to tell me what to do. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, you know, it's, I think it's something I, I kind of grew into. And I just, as I realized my own value and my own voice, I just became more and more adamant and older to where I wasn't so afraid of using it. And I'm really grateful for that. But that was definitely one of the things that I had to, to work through, while, especially while I was down there. And uh, so before, uh, sorry. Now you you struggled with that in Louisiana, but did you also find some you know threads of that even in in LA in the in the industry that you're in? Absolutely. I mean, there's threads of it everywhere. And, you know, women in the industry will tell you women do not get the opportunities in production that men get. Um, I've made sure that on all of my sets, especially when I am the lead producer and it's my project, that I am an equal opportunity uh, hire. And, and if possible, I give women first shot. And so my last two films, I probably had two thirds women on my crew um, just because they were the best. Mm-hmm. Honestly, when I looked across the board, I, I absolutely encourage women to, you know, come forward to participate. And then when they do and I compare, if I can hire a woman that's as good or better, and often they are better, then that's what I do. And so when I have a say, I use it. Um, that being said, you know, I've found wonderful men who are allies. And then, of course, there are men who are not. So, um, yeah, it's it's not as big of a deal. Yes, you're an ally. So uh, it's not as big of a deal here in L.A., I think, as in other parts of the country, you know, as we've seen from all the election and everything that's going on, different pockets of the country um, have different views that they hold dear. Um, but uh, but it's always a challenge. And so just like I fight for myself, I try to fight for people of color and I try to fight for any marginalized group that is not getting the respect and attention and consideration that they should get. I also love, um, I know you're working on a project uh, around autism, and I remember in talking to you, you said that you had somebody who was autistic helping you with some of your filming, which I loved, especially because, you, I th- if I remember correctly, I think you said that because of his autism, his resulting attention to detail made him actually that much better at the job. Tell me a little bit about that. Absolutely. Like I, I've hired um, a lot of kids, uh, three that I hire repeatedly from a school here that's training them with film and TV skills. And so one is a shooter and he, he went with me after Hurricane Mitch, I took him to um, Houston and we shot down there for a nonprofit. Um, and then he shot, he shoots with me here in LA sometimes. And then I have an editor who is aut- autism. He's on the spectrum. He's a wonderful kid. Like he cracked me up so bad this morning. Sometimes the things he comes out with are hilarious, but he's so great. And he's, they're just diligent, hard workers and beautiful, beautiful young men that I'm working with. And then the third one, I'm doing a book project that's going to be um, a children's book that's going to be in print, but it's also going to be a video format where this book kind of comes to life. And I've hired a young man, and I think that's who you're referring to, who's extremely good at animation. And like, mm-hmm. he is creating characters and illustrations and his his attention to detail and his empathy and his design skills are blowing me away and he's wonderful to work with he's funny he's smart he's attentive he's hardworking. fantastic kid so yes i am on the hunt always for people who could be passed over because sometimes not only are they just as good they're better and i want to give them opportunities to shine and to well and also i think in general when you give somebody an opportunity who's used to not being given an opportunity they're going to be so grateful they're going to work that much harder and for that reason among others they're going to be that much better at doing it because you know when you have somebody who's filled with gratitude they're just going to work their ass off for you because they're going to be so grateful that you gave them the shot you know. I went to a panel last night on veteran affairs and they were talking about, you know, hiring veterans. And it's like, 
we need to really remember that it's, you know, gratitude is one thing, but they come with special skill sets and they come with a work ethic. And, you know, why would we not consider, mm-hmm. why would we not consider a veteran? Or why would we not consider someone on the spectrum if they have the talents? Like they're unique people with unique experiences. They bring sometimes a different perspective. Sometimes Matt comes up with things I wouldn't have thought of. And he has the way he sees people and animals, the way he sees the way that they move, the way they interact, um, the only word I can say is empathy. He has an empathy for his characters that is absolutely unique. And for me, it, it shows up in every phase of the divine of the design process. And it's just beautiful. It's beautiful to work with. It's beautiful to see. And we have discoveries, you know, we have our little meetings and I get so excited. I'm like, oh my gosh, yes, that's exactly what the cat would do, you know, because he, just, <laughs> he sees the, the humanity and everything. And the relationship between people, he just sees it from a really unique perspective. And it makes me so happy that he has a beautiful view of the world. That's so cool. Coming to play in the design that we're creating. That's so cool. So one thing I'm curious, going back to something you said earlier, because you, you had said that you got to an age where after, I think you said after you were 40, you were like, all right, I'm too old for this shit. I'm not taking it anymore. 40 was magic. Yeah. <laughs> But how did you deal with it before then? I mean, did you? Did Just, you, you know, of- it, it was about step by step. And honestly, mentorship played a big part because in my, how old was I? <clears throat> in my 20s, I moved to Canada for a while and then moved back to Louisiana. And when I was in Canada, I was, I, I worked for this woman. She was my supervisor. She was like in her 50s at the time. And she really had an influence on me. Um, she was absolutely a mentor to me. And she showed me how a woman could operate and not be a man, be a, a woman, straight up be a woman, but with grace and power. And that was really important for me because, you know, in Toronto, it's a much more liberal city. And even though there were still issues there, it's like she was the whole company we worked for was an environmental company. It was all dudes. Like literally, there was like one other administrative person who was a female. It was all dudes. And uh, she just the way she functioned in and among them held her place spoke with a full voice and just carried herself with so much grace and brought that female perspective to everything was an inspiration to me. And I think that mentorship changed my life. And then, then it just, when I moved back to Louisiana, it like took just chipping away and figuring out, okay, so how do, how do I, how do I operate like this in the world that I'm in now? How do I help people to not be afraid of me as a woman but yet still have a voice. How do I not be a man? Really be a woman or what I, you know, what I want to be. Be the woman, be the woman I want to be. Mm-hmm. And yet be taken serious and and not have to give other people credit for my ideas like I used to. Ah. Just and heard and things like that. I did a lot of that in my early 20s and then when I came back I was like I'm not doing that. So somebody listening right now is hearing this and maybe in a position where they're wondering okay, I feel like I'm being sort of held back because of this sort of bias. You know, I'm a woman, I'm trying. What would your advice be to them if you were mentoring them right now and they were asking you, okay, so how do I overcome this? How do I deal with it? How do I, how do I um, build up the courage to put somebody in their place if I have to and say, hey, it's not okay to treat me like that? How do, how do you, what do you right. advise them? Well, I think there's a couple things. I think one, you know, it does get easier as you get older when you start to get wrinkles in your face, which is why I don't do Botox. I need to be serious. But the older you get, it does get a little easier. You know, I have a young woman that I mentor who's only 26 and she's in a really, she's shooting up in the industry that she's in. She's in the banking industry and I mentor her and I, I have to talk to, have these conversations with her, you know, and it's like, Visually, when people look at you, if they still see you as a little girl or a young woman, it's very hard for them to take you serious. And I found there's something really important about, A, you as the person who needs to speak, 
having empathy for the people you're speaking to and leaving room for ego. Mm. Because I found a lot of fear that gets activated is because we tap on someone's ego. And I find if you could find a way to keep their ego intact and give them space for the ego to stay big and yet um, and yet stand up for yourself at the same time, you know, there's some kind of a balance in that. And, and when I find that kind of sweet spot, you can disengage most, like you can disengage most people's fear and hesitancy because they'll realize that, you know, you can help them realize that what they're afraid of is not actually going to happen. You're not going to take over. Uh, you're not going to stomp on them. You're not going to burn the house down. You just have a really good damn idea and you, you're going to take the credit for it and you're going to help it get it done. And, you know, sometimes it's about proving yourself in whatever situation you're in. Um, sometimes I leaving space for people to not put them on the spot. Like maybe, you know, when I was younger, I learned to like kind of bring things to someone and then go, how do you feel about this or whatever? And then get make them an ally before I present it so that they're part of it and they don't feel threatened by it because it's a better idea than anybody else had. Um, because you happen to be the 20-year-old female in the room and everybody else is, you know, Mm-hmm. old dudes because I've been on this I mean I, I was on a board when I was like 28 that was all I was the youngest I was the only female and I ended up being elected president and it was a cultural board for my parish and I just was arts and culture board and I was just like how and how did I end up presidency because I got shit done right and, and and I came up with good ideas and I didn't just talk about it I did it and I after I proved myself they were just like hey let's put her in charge she gets things done you know what I mean and um and I really I went out to hear the voice of the people and brought that back to those board meetings and said look I've been talking to artists I've been talking to young people I've been talking to you know mentors and teachers in the area this is what's being said and here's the need and here's what we can do about it and they really appreciated that so I think sometimes you kind of have to earn your keep in a way um, and, and earn your right to speak. And I don't speak until I feel like I've listened. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of people want to speak, but they don't want to listen. If you listen first and you ask intelligent questions and then you process and you come back with a good idea and then you say, hey, dig holes in it if they're there. Let's find the, the flaws, but here's something I've come up with. You know, there's a way to kind of get your voice uh, pushed out there if you're brave enough. Right, so it's not about making yourself heard just for the sake of making yourself heard. It's about showing, hey, you right. know what? You need to respect me. I know what I'm doing. I can help. And yeah. here's how. Erica, you're somebody I know doesn't take shit from anyone. I mean, but I got the feeling that you were like somehow born with that. <laughs> I don't think so. I mean, no? I think it's it's definitely, well, I don't know. Maybe that maybe I was born with a little of that. But <laughs> it, it certainly evolved over time because I know in my 20s, I was like a don't take no shit kind of person. Um, but in, in, a, in a far more offensive way. And I just didn't care. <laughs> Right. I, mean, I, yeah. I, in a way, prided myself on burning bridges. I was really, <laughs> I mean, I was a class bridge burner, you know, <laughs> nobody burned a bridge better than me. And what I learned over the years is that that was equally as efficient as me, you know, cowering in the shadows and not sharing my opinion and not, you know, standing up for myself. And so, you know, as I've, as I've gotten a little older, I've, I've learned to, like you say, listen. And, and, and be open to other ideas. And, you know, I think it's something that does, in a way, naturally come with age. Not naturally, but I think it... It comes with wisdom and life experience. Yes, it's something that has to develop as you get older and as you, you yeah. do. You get that life experience. And if you choose to learn from those experiences and grow from them, you become that better being, you know, versus the, those who just choose to continue to make the same mistakes, you know. Because I think people get stuck in that, too. Yeah, and I think people just respect you for it. I, you know, 
when I, when I, man or woman, when I'm in a conversation with somebody, usually I can pick up pretty quickly uh, on the difference between somebody who sort of commands respect, who earns it versus someone who doesn't, you know, mm-hmm. um, I think we still have some work to do as a society in terms of not having that initial bias just because somebody's a woman, right? Mm-hmm. And acknowledging, hey, you know what? This is a woman who can probably kick some ass if we give her the opportunity, if we don't let the fact that she's a woman stand in our way and just treat people as people regardless, you know? I worked for a person in my late 20s, and it's one of the things literally when I look back on my life that I'm most proud of. <laughs> I ended up having to work for this guy, and I was, like, terrified. I'm like, oh, my God. Because he was just so like narrow minded when it came to women. I mean, his wife stayed at home and literally milked goats and had like six kids. And (laughs) yes, you know, women were, they had a place and I didn't want kids. And I was like past all of that. I was like, oh my God, this is going to be a disaster. But I really thought it out. I was like, I want to win this guy. Like, and so I studied him. I watched him and I listened to him and I'm like, what's important to him? He was ex-military. And he was really big on efficiency and he was big on, you know, getting things done and you being part of a chain of command and you getting things done. So I just got under him and I just started getting shit done. Yeah. And, and when I did that, because I stood out from everybody else around me, I earned a voice and I would start in private and I would say, hey, I have an idea, give it to him. And then if he liked it, he could bring it forward. But it got to the point where he trusted me enough that we could be in an open meeting and I could say, hey, I have an idea. I have a suggestion. And he would listen to me because I had earned my spot. And he knew, you know, he trusted my heart, my objective. He knew I wasn't bucking command by asking a question or making a suggestion. I was literally trying to help and I had earned my spot there. And to this day, when I think about, you know, situations that I've had to overcome, that definitely was one of them. Because when I left there, he was just like, oh, I'm going to miss you, you know, because you really <laughs> get things done. Totally. Um, and, and that meant a lot to me because I knew it, the kind of trust it took to earn that, you know. Yeah. Well, Shanna, we have to jump off on a quick break here. Um, but when we come back, I want to hear a little more about what you have going on today. Perfect. And sort of how all of these lessons and things play out today in your world. So we'll, we'll be right back after this short break. Voice America Business Network. The bottom line in business. Intuit QuickBooks is dedicated to powering prosperity around the globe for accountants, small businesses, consumers, and the self-employed. With products and services like QuickBooks Online Accountant and the QuickBooks Pro Advisor Program, accounting professionals can save time, grow their practice, and act as strategic advisors to their small business clients. By working together as partners, Intuit can help you leverage the latest technologies and work with you to create tomorrow's future innovations. Go to QuickBooks books.intuit.com to find out more. Nerd Enterprises Incorporated is a numbers agency. We offer a wide range of services from bookkeeping to financial modeling and cash flow projections. Our consulting services enable you to do what you do best by giving us the accounting and back office tasks that we do best. Nerd Enterprises Inc. is one of the worldwide leaders in QuickBooks, Microsoft Excel, and other productivity-based training. If it's one-to-one or one-to-many, we log in with you so you can share your screen and we get you through it. Plus, all sessions are recorded, so you can review those recordings anytime you like afterwards. For more information, visit nerdenterprises.com. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. 
Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to the Authentic Accountant Podcast. To find out more, email Seth at NerdEnterprises.com. That's Seth at NerdEnterprises.com. Now, back to the Authentic Accountant Podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Authentic Accountant Podcast. I'm here with my co-host, Seth. Hi. I think he's still here. And uh, we're here with Shanna. And Hi, guys. <laughs> we just heard um, from Shanna about some of the struggles that she's faced um, and how she's how you've grown out of those things. Uh, I love that last story that you were telling right before break about sort of earning that, you know, I don't know, non-believer or whatever you want to call that, that guy that, you know, because we all have that character somewhere in our story. We have that, that, you know, non-believer that, that, that guy or that boss or that woman or whoever it may be, because it's not always a man uh, who doesn't think that we're good enough, you know, or capable enough or, you know, and I love how you were able to sort of figure out what it is that makes him tick and get in there and, and, and win him over. That's, that's sometimes the key between having a good experience and, and having a really bad experience with somebody. So yep. right. very good stuff. Um, so tell us a little bit about what you have going on today. I, you've, you're writing a, a children's book. So, yeah, I wrote this little children's book and I'm working with an autistic young man to get it illustrated and produced. Um, and it, it's been really fun. That's just kind of a passion project that I'm doing. Um, it's called Why the Girl Became a Cat. Ah. <laughs> I'm obsessed with my cat in particular, but really all cats. And so um, it's really a little book about female empowerment, about ha- girls having a choice to be whatever they want to be. And uh, oh, about to tear up just talking about it. But, you know, I just want little girls that like I was to find their place and to know that whatever place that is, they can have it. Yeah. Um, and so I'm working on that. And then I'm producing um, I'm a cr- part, uh, producing on a, the documentary he was talking about on autism recovery working with a brain trauma specialist who's been working with um, autistic young people and families for many years. And he's been documenting his work and documenting recovery and growth. And a lot of people kind of freak out when they hear the term autism recovery because they're like, Oh, you know, are you trying to change them? No. And does recovery mean hundred percent? Maybe not for some it does. But what we've found is that autism recovery can happen. It happens at different phases. It happens at different levels, but it is happening. We have documentation of it happening. We have children who are nonverbal who are becoming verbal. We have children that were way behind years behind who within a year of making, you know, lifetime dietary changes and uh, detox in their bodies and things are becoming almost normal functioning. Like it's, it's surreal. We have parents that had never heard their children speak that Mm. their children start speaking. I mean, that's, it's powerful stuff. And it's a lot of family stories in this documentary, which is why I love it because we can sit there all day long and go, well, I don't know, but these are true life stories. These are real life parents that will tell you that it worked for them. And, And the goal of it is just to bring hope families that your child can function at the highest level possible 
not changing who they are. They're amazing, amazing individuals, but giving them the best quality of life, you know, and so that's really exciting. Um, we're in post now. Um, we're trying to raise some additional funds to get the post done because it costs money to get all the clearances done on the news that we're using and to get, you know, the, the score done and to get the final edits done. But it's cut and it's beautiful and it's inspiring and I'm really proud to be a part of it. And Ryan, who Ryan Hetrick, who's the brain trauma guy, he's amazing. He has spent, you know, five years of his life on this film just and hours and hours a week, plus his personal money, never been paid, just you know, traveled all over the country to catch these stories and talk to these families. And um, he just, he's passionate about it in a way I've never seen anybody be passionate about autism recovery. And so I'm really excited to be a part of that. Those are just kind of my sideline things. I also have a couple shorts. I had cut one called We Can Hear You. It was an interactive creative project I did recently. I've been in chronic pain for over a year from a car accident. And so I started thinking about, you know, all the frustration I was dealing with, with the pain and the depression I was struggling with because of that. And I thought, what would I want? Like, what would help me? Let's start with me. I'm a problem yeah. right now. I'm hurting and I'm mad and I'm depressed, you know? So I, I came up with this project where I invited people to come and paint themselves. <laughs> so basically my subjects sat in a hot attic in front of a huge mirror, painted themselves with colored paints to express and say something that they wanted to say. Cool. It was beautiful. Yeah. It's beautiful. That, is that out in the world? Where, or? Not yet. It's in it's in post. We're figuring out how to cut it right now, but it's okay. beautiful. I had people of different ages, different colors, different backgrounds, people going through different transitions. One man had lost his wife to cancer, and he was recovering from that, and he needed to express. One man was making a, a cross-country move by himself and was really nervous about that. Um, everybody brought their own stories. Some of them, they didn't even really talk about it because that was not a requirement. It was like you come in and you express whatever you need to express, but it was a magical experience and it created some beautiful footage that I'm determining what to do with that. So those are things I do for, for fun. (laughs) Um, My day job is I do uh, social media marketing. I was going to say, we've talked about some amazing things you've done, but let's talk about what you do for businesses. I do social media marketing for businesses and nonprofits. So I work with clients, um, a variety of clients, everything from, I have clients that are musicians, fashion designers. So sometimes it's creative individuals um, up to businesses. I work with chiropractors, acupuncturists, a detox clinic, you know, financial advisors, real estate people, all kinds of industries. And I help them create content for their social media. Um, Social media is a a big thing. You know, it's like there's so many sides to it. But I found that what I really love the most and what really uses my experience and my skills of producing reality TV, producing film, being in front of the camera, all the things that I did, um, I really get to use it when we produce content. Mm-hmm. So I love capturing people's stories, you know, whether they're a creative or a business owner or whatever. I love helping them to get their story out. That might be an interview. That might be a history piece on their business. It might be a day in the life of or, you know, it, it comes out all different ways. But I love, love, love helping people tell their stories. And I really love taking non-actors and helping them to feel comfortable in front of the camera. That's what I did in reality TV a lot, too. Just getting the story out there. You know, your, your, your business is your story. Your story is your business. And for most of the people I work with. And so that's, that's been really fun. And that's what I spend most of my time. It is, it is something that's so valuable for a company or a a business owner, or just like you say, a creative, a musician, an artist, whatever. It's so important that they have that presence, but people are so overwhelmed by social media and what, what, how do you even get that presence? You know, so 
And that's what I do. I start with my clients. We, do, we start with a consult because I sit with them and I talk about what are, your, what are you trying to do? Who is your target demo? Not just your demo, but who's your target demo? Who's your absolute best client slash fan, whatever it is you're trying to build? Who are they? And, and a lot of people will, will not know what that is. And so in that meeting, we figure that out because a lot of people say, well, anybody that can spend money is my client, but that's yeah. not your ideal client. Yeah. And if you don't get to the ideal client, you're going to walk away with people who are not happy with the results, which are going to be less referrals for you. So the more you can find your ideal client who's going to walk away from you and go, wow, I loved that, right? And we'll go home and post about it on Facebook and share your stuff. That's your ideal. And it'll well, bring that's you also, that's also marketing. Here. That's also marketing to everyone, which means you may as well market to no one, you know? Right. That mistake. Like, oh, throwing yeah. money out there for nothing. Like I was recently talking with somebody um, and, uh, you know, the thought came to mind, uh, a lot of us, especially people like me who do a lot with video on YouTube, we start getting into the statistics and we see, all right, well, the typical drop-off time that people stop viewing a video is at about three to three and a half minutes, right? Yeah. And my typical videos, because most of them are educational in nature, tend to go like 10 to 15 minutes. And so, of course, the feedback suggests that I should cut my video shorter and only do three and a half minutes. And I'm like, no, I just want to know who it is that's sticking it out the whole 15 minutes because those are my tribe. Those are the people who are dying for this. I need to find out who those people are because that's yeah. who I want to market to. I don't care about the three and a half middle of the road person. You know? Right, right. Yeah. yeah, all of those things are important. And, and there's so many sides to all of this. You know, I, I, I just I learned not to try to do everything. I just try to do the areas that I'm good at and I really enjoy that's been who's your favorite client who's your target demo I you know I have what's interesting is it's not one type of business or one type of person but it is people who are creative in a sense because they are willing to kind of take some risks in how they tell their story two it's people who are passionate you know, if you're not passionate about your business, I'm not going to be like, right. <laughs> you know, so I want people who light up when they talk about what they're doing, whatever that is, you know, it could be, again, it could be selling real estate or it could be you're a musician and you have some new music to drop or, or there's a nonprofit that you're working with and you're totally passionate about what you're doing. Passion is really important. And then right. three, it's people who are willing to learn and to be committed to a plan. Because one of the things we do is when the first meeting we talk about, you know, what are your goals? And then we talk about how can you get there? And a lot of people do get overwhelmed for social media. So I, I sometimes I think I'm a social media psychiatrist. I help people <laughs> you know, figure it out, deal with their anxiety yeah. and, and help them to hone in on what do I need to do? Yeah. Do I need to follow them? Can yeah. I just be on Facebook? Do I need to be on Twitter? Do I need to be on this? And we help them figure that out and, and figure out where do I need to be? And then what content do I need to put there? So that I don't spend my time running around doing everything that I don't have time for and spending money on everything that I don't have, you know, the money for and really to kind of help them focus in and set some realistic goals and then grow from there. And, and I like doing that. I like taking the, the anxiousness away from people and giving them a, a real plan and then helping them walk through that. And again, that's my producer side. I, I like giving you a plan, but I, yeah. for my ideal client is someone who's going to follow it. Right. You know, some people will go through this, they'll start it, they'll say, yeah, I want to do this, I want to do this, and they're like, oh, I'm too busy, I'm too whatever. Oh, you didn't really want to do it, so, you know, what are right. you doing? And if I you really want to do it, you'll make the time. Ideas. So my idea client is, yeah, someone who's passionate enough that they'll follow through. Right. Because if they, thing, they see results. Because I, I know there are, I know there are a lot of people listening to this right now that are, are saying, yeah, 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 we're on board. I'm not going to be in a video, though. 
So <laughs> right? What advice yeah. would you give to people who are literally scared of being in front of the camera? Especially, let me just add to that before you answer, especially when right now the climate is such that it's like everybody's going live on Facebook, right? And so there's pressure yeah. to do that almost. And so people I are sitting there. So what, and, what's, and video's getting the highest cam right now. Yeah. It really is. But the but for me, like you going live and looking like a dork and like you don't know what you're talking about is going to hurt your business. Mm-hmm. So if you're going to do it, you need to do it right. And that's the problem, you know, with some people, by the time they get to me, they're, they put stuff out there and it's garbage. And their friends are like, you need to hire someone. I'm like, yeah, you do. And so we have to kill <laughs> everything that they had before and then help them redo it um, because they're just, what they're doing is not quality. So yes, you know, video works but that video could be you know an audio piece with images of your business it doesn't have to necessarily be you if that's not what we're marketing there are whiteboard videos I do those for clients um you know there are pictures there are you can hire a spokesperson there's so many ways to go at it but really all that happens in that first consult because we figure out what are you trying to do what are you actually selling? Which may not be just your product. You may be selling a story. You may be selling, you know, anxiety relief. You might be selling whatever, you know, and let's figure out what you're really selling. Let's figure out who needs to see it. And then let's figure out what, you know, what we can use to tell that story. What manner we can tell that story. Right. In. And then, so the bottom line is they need, they need a producer. They need somebody to help yeah. them. A creative that- producer, exactly. Someone who yeah. can help you take your assets because a lot of people have assets and they don't even realize it or they're not using them. So help you identify your assets, whatever those are, help you create the assets you need and then get it out there. Sometimes it's, you know, and there's the big thing too now is, you know, getting people to get something free, give them three free things and then eventually they'll buy from you or whatever, those kind of things. Um, So, you know, I help people create downloadable assets and things like that as well. Mm-hmm. So if they need an ebook or things like that, I've helped clients with that. Because again, it takes a creative producer sometimes to look at those things and say, what do you have to say? What can we encapsulate? Make it creatively beautiful and downloadable and this great little asset that you can give away on your site to drive people there or whatever. And I think it helps just having someone sort of overseeing the great picture, the grand scheme of it all. Because, yeah. I mean, really, when you think about a marketing campaign, it's not just like a few Facebook live videos and uh, oh, wait, um, I'm going to give this thing away. And then uh, well, we'll put some put Twitter posts out. And, and that's what people end up doing because they, they don't have a plan. They're not clear. And it takes plan. time and money. And yeah, and some people, they think, oh, I can just do this and people are going to want it. Well, that's not the case. Like, no. <laughs> really, you have to spend money on Facebook if you want people to see anything. Like, you just have to. That's the way it's, it's now. And I think that's the yeah. sad thing is that people do spend money and don't see any results because it is sporadic or it's because it's not well managed. And just having yeah. someone overseeing that, I think, will add yeah. immense value to, to their marketing campaign. Yeah. And it'll boost their confidence. Like, I talked to yeah. countless bookkeepers and accountants who the first thing they say to me, well, I'm shy. I don't want to be in front of the camera. Well, maybe if you had somebody guiding you so that they could be assured that they're doing it with the proper guidance, subtle little things. If you're going to go live on Facebook, you don't want the camera. I think you said this to me, Shanna. You don't want the camera like below you pointing up your nostrils, right? <laughs> yes, totally. I have clients who did that before they met me. All right, let's- or also what I always see is the camera like over your head where like, you know, trying to get the camera. Yeah. yeah, I'm like, what are you? doing the booger cam 
right? We're doing like, the booger is count. aerial shot? Like, what, do you have a drone in your office? Is a, is a bird filming you? What's going on? <laughs> right, right. No, so it can be little subtle things like that where once they start getting that guidance, then you know it's coming from, coming from someone who knows what they're doing. It boosts their confidence. Now, all of a sudden, because here's my experience. Every one of these people that I've managed to get turned around and get them to start doing videos. And in my case, I have an out with the people who don't want to be on camera because I can say, look, you're an account. You're going to demonstrate how to do things in QuickBooks or what have you. So you don't need the camera. You just need to share your screen and right. talk about what you're already an expert at, right? But right. it may right. be a question of developing those skills of articulation, you know, the, the yeah. teaching skills really. Right. But the bottom line is, so you can turn the camera off, but here's what I've seen over and over and over again. Once you get somebody to start doing it, once you get somebody to get through their first video, yeah. all of a sudden it becomes like an addiction. The, the water, the, the, oh. you know, the, the floodgates open and they just can't, now they can't stop making videos. That's how yeah. it was for me years ago when I started doing it. I was like, this yeah. is fun. I don't want to do accounting anymore. I just want to make videos. Hmm. Yeah, I know, and it matters. And, you know, it's like having someone like me, I think that's what I bring to the table is when I customize every client I work with. I don't force them to anything they don't need or want. And, you know, some clients, I just train them how to do it themselves. They're like, I want to be able to shoot myself in my office and not look like a dork. Okay. So we do training sessions. We may help them with buy some inexpensive gear, teach them the setup or teach their assistant to set up and, you know, help them. I'm okay with that. Like, I don't have to be your producer for the next year. But having a producer come in, you know, I have clients yeah. that, I've trained them, but they still every now and then like, hey, can you come? We want to do something a little more, a little different. We want to move on these shots. Can you guys come in, bring your team and, you know, do something bigger or longer or whatever? Sure. Or I give him a refresh or he changed out assistants. He's like, come in and train my new assistant because he doesn't want his quality to go backwards. You know, right. I'm totally okay with that. I'll work with people however, however they want to do right. it. But, so but Shanna, video is important. Product video, you know, whatever your story is that you're selling, it is important to have moving images right now. Right. So, Shanna, tell our, tell our listeners where they can find you. So I have a website, it's Forrestall Consulting, my last name, Forrestall, F-O-R-R-E-S-T-A-L-L, consulting.com. And on there, it talks about the different marketing aspects. And I do a free, you know, consult. You can book it online if you want to talk to me. I'm quite willing to talk to you. We'll spend 15, 20 minutes just talking, just to see if there's any kind of a fit or a need that I can help you with. And you can decide to go from there. Yep, and we'll get all the links up on the show notes because we are on our way to having the best show notes in the podcasting universe. Woo! <laughs> we'll make sure that we're, we're getting there. We'll make sure we get one yeah. step closer when we put up this episode. Shana, thank you so much for taking the time to be with us. I look forward to having you back again at some point now that we've got your whole story. When we bring you back, we'll talk more about this kind of stuff, you know, tips and tricks for people who want to do videos for their brand. And, and again, we'll make sure that people can get in touch with you because I'm sure after hearing this, people are going to want to hire you to get some help. And that's That'd what be great. I want to tell your story. I love it. I love helping people tell their story. That's what I'm passionate about. Fantastic. Thank cool. you so much. Thank Thanks, you. guys, for having me on. Yeah. And uh, don't forget to check out our Facebook page at the Authentic Accountant uh, Podcast. And we can continue the conversation over there. All right. Thank you for tuning in. New episodes of the Authentic Accountant Podcast are heard every week on the Voice America Business Channel and on your favorite podcast site. Please join Seth David and Erica Ed again soon for another edition and another complete story of success.